Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, March 28th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's the time of year when hope springs eternal. Baseball season has arrived, and every team has a chance at becoming a World Series champion, right? Well, some teams have better chances than others. The Royals entered the 2023 season with a new manager in Matt Cotrero, a new GM, J.J. Piccolo, was elevated late last season, and they remain in the early stages of the John Sherman ownership. There is optimism for improvement, but it'll be essential for Kansas City to avoid the slow starts of previous seasons. On today's show, star columnist Sam McDowell discusses the Royals and focuses on the pitching. Good teams have good bullpens, and the Royals have looked to improve there. We cover that topic and several more involving the Royals on today's show. Let's get started. All right, we're talking baseball with Sam McDowell. Um, opening day is Thursday. I don't know. Has it seemed uh, like a long off season, a short off season? I don't, it just seems like the Royals. Maybe it's because of the success of the Chiefs and the, and the NCAA tournament. Um, and look, this has been this way for the last few years. They take a little bit of a back seat in Kansas City, but they are. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, they are front and center this week, opening day on Thursday. What uh, you, You've gone down to spring training a couple of times. Um, you about ready for some baseball? Yeah, you know, I think um, it's probably not a great sign for where the organization is that we do, uh, that it does sneak up on us the way it does. But you're right, it also speaks to what the other guys in town are doing in terms of the Chiefs have relevance now through mid-February rather than what, early January as right. it was like six, seven years ago. So I think it's probably more of a Chiefs thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really interested in – I think that this year for the Royals in general is a figure-out-what-you-have year. And so, you know, I, I think we're always interested to see what any of our local teams does throughout the course of a season. But I think it's just really heightened with, with this group. The Royals – more often than not, since the championship years of 14 and 15, and then the two years after that where they played around 500, finished around 500, they, they, they kind of lapsed to 500 in those years, um, have been out of it early. Bad starts. You know, by the end of April, they're you know five, six games behind, and by the end of May, it's doubled, and, and it's like – I think for Royals fans, they start looking at the promotion calendar to see, you know, when yeah, the yeah. right bobblehead night is uh, <laughs> is approaching. Uh, that seems to me to be. We'll we'll talk about. We're going to spend time talking about the pitching here, but just generally speaking, that would be nice to see a new regime avoid. They they were fourteen and twenty eight in May last year. Like we were covering meaningless June, July, August, September games. When I say meaningless, I mean in terms of the standings in twenty twenty two. And I think that the start of the year, not that it, it usually doesn't carry importance, but just for a group that is part of an organization that has started slow and also finished just as slow. <laughs> if, look, at, if the Royals start fast, it doesn't mean they're going to finish fast. But if they start slow, I think there is a high correlation that that's the way the rest of the season is going to go as well. So I, I really view this early month of the season in April, you know, last few days in March and then, then April to be just a really important stretch already. Gosh, it's, you know, most, a lot of baseball teams feel that way, but it just, you're right. It seems like the importance is heightened 
for the Royals and a fan base that is just aching for for success here. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's been a while. I mean, it's it's you know, I I've had like somebody with the Royals tell me even last year that 2014 and 15 were a long time ago and well, it's it's another year now and it's it's obviously you had the the couple seasons afterwards or 16 where they, you know, were still in it. Um, but I I don't think that as much as this city would love to see another championship. It's not just that the fans are starved for a championship. They're starved to go out and watch August games that matter, where the team can be competitive. And with the way the playoffs are structured now, you can be 500 in August and be playing meaningful meaningful games. And so I think that is, I mean, no team should strive to be 500, but the Royals should strive to, to be playing meaningful baseball late in the year. The other part of that equation is they're in what you could argue is the weakest division in baseball, the American League Central. Yes, certainly. And <clears throat> I, I I don't have the payrolls in front of me, but it's not a division that goes out and spends a ton of money. It's the place the Royals need to be. And and even in the what is the weakest and, and probably the cheapest division, they still haven't been able to win as many as 70 games in the season the last few years. Yeah, I mean, baseball certainly has an economic problem in, in terms of the way that, you know, and we're, we've been covering the Chiefs in early March specifically because of the way the salary cap works. There's so many interesting layers to it. I think it, well, it, it certainly is much more strategic when you look at the way the NFL is shaped. But I also just think it keeps the fans more engaged too. Every All, all 32 teams in the NFL feel like their team has a shot. I don't think it works that way in baseball. I think there's teams that, you know, probably feel like it's a long shot year after year after year, and, and we're covering one of them. But I think you make a, a good point, a good distinction there is that the Royals in their own division are competing among their peers. When you look across baseball, they're not. They're, they can't compete in terms of the finances with the New York Yankees. I mean, they are the outlier when you look at the last 30 World Series champions. Like, the Royals are the small market team that's done it. But that doesn't prevent them from being competitive in their own division, because, like you said, their own division is is comprised of those that the same makeup financially. And there is a clear message being sent, I think, to uh, to Royals followers when the change at the top was made, when Mike Matheny was let go and uh, Matt Cotrero was brought in as the new manager. His organ, the organizations with which he were was employed, are. You know, smaller budgeted uh, organizations that just kind of outsmarted people, you know, with Tampa Bay and it's Cleveland in his background. Um, and I don't, I don't think any, you know, J.J. Piccolo or John Sherman, anybody's come out and said it. But that's what they hope the Royals become, just a smart organization that wins, you know, because they just do things in a little different way and maybe, you know, Set set some of the trends in baseball that 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 you know organizations that don't have two hundred million dollars to spend on payroll have to do. Yeah, I mean it's it's not impossible, and I think that there's just been this this environment where it's felt like it's been impossible for the past five six years because of the economics that we mentioned. But they, John Sherman will pretty frequently mention the Guardians and the Rays. Now, obviously, he, he came from the Guardians ownership group. He knows how that organization works better than anyone but the one he currently owns. Um, but the Rays have done it pretty pretty frequently as well. And 
what stands out is just how differently those organizations have operated than the Royals have for the past 30 years. I mean, obviously the Royals slipped in a World Series championship in there, but they didn't do it the way that the Rays and Guardians tried. And I think when you talk with Mac Quatrero over um, just the course of spring training, like you said, I've been out there a couple of times. It's it's pretty clear there's going to be some things that are going to be quite a bit different. Um, I think a year ago, the emphasis was to win all 162 games. Um, I think the Royals chased games at times that they didn't need to chase um, in terms of you said we're going to talk about the pitching, but you know there were games where Scott Barlow was coming in when the Royals were losing that I think you just had to you had to concede and, and move on to the next day, and that just really heightened the intensity within the clubhouse. That feels much looser now. It always feels looser in spring training. We'll see if that carries over if this team starts fourteen and twenty eight as well. Um, but there's an emphasis on that. Um, I also think that he is really set on using the full roster. And when I say the full roster, I mean beyond the 26 guys that are going to be there on opening day on Thursday at Kauffman Stadium. It's also, you know, we saw Josh Stalmont was optioned to the minors. Richard Lovelady was optioned to the minors. Like those guys are going to, those guys are going to factor into the big league team. Even if there's like, it's not just going to be replacing injuries. I think that's one of the biggest difference with, with the manager change. Love lady, not too happy about his. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, his. he shouldn't have been though, right? I mean, right. What, I, I think that there's an element of what more could he have done? He didn't allow a run. Um, he was throwing strikes, which is obviously the emphasis with the pitching staff this year. I think he probably felt like he checked every box and still didn't get the uh, the opening day roster nod. Yeah, look, I think this is an example of a little bit change of thinking. Uh, an approach by the Royals when it comes to pitching. So, yeah, let's take a break here. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk about pitching and both the uh, the rotation and the bullpen with Sam McDowell. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We're back on Sports BKC talking Royals. They open up uh, Thursday against who are they playing again? Forgot already. Uh, <laughs> we'll figure it out. We got the twins. <laughs> I think I think maybe you're right. Boy, the big day of celebration for baseball, and we don't know who the opponent is. So we are all about the Royals on this podcast. We got the, the Twins on Thursday, they're off on Friday. Right, that's typical for open yeah. case there's weather, but there's not supposed to be, not until the evening. So, And then uh, is it the Blue Jays that come in behind them? Yeah, the Blue Jays come in next. Um, and then, oddly enough, they open on the road, I think, at the San Francisco Giants, which says something about the the new schedule in baseball this year. The Royals are going to see less of their 
AL Central uh, brethren and more of everybody else. The way they have, they have three National League teams. I think it's in the first five weeks. It might be in the first four weeks, though. It's the the Diamondbacks and Braves are on on the schedule early on as well. So interesting. And we were talking in the first segment about you know you know the Royals are in the right division to attempt to be competitive, but they're going to play fewer of those teams, which we'll see how that impacts uh, things for the Royals. All right, you wrote a terrific column about the bullpen. You got to talk to uh, Matt Cotrero, and, 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 you, and I know you've talked to Brian Sweeney when you've been out there, the new pitching coach. Um, and and we, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Josh Stalmont, Richard Lovelady, and Josh Taylor. Taylor's the player they got. Uh, it was part of the Raul Mondesi, uh, Alberto Mondesi. Was yeah. Raul. Alberto Mondesi trade. Uh, all uh, were optioned and – uh, Lovelady, the biggest surprise there because, as you said, he had a very nice spring. Stalmont, interesting. You know, he's a guy who has just shown flashes of brilliance. Closer-like material. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. 100 on his fastball and fun to watch. Has been great. I can remember a game they played against the Cubs a couple of years ago. And the I was watching on the on the Cubs broadcast they were drooling over Josh Stalmont, you know, thinking about how the Cubs could pick him up in a, you know, maybe a late season trade. But um, but he, he goes sent down. All these guys have injury issues, right? Lovelady and Taylor didn't pitch last year, and Stalmont had injury issues in 2022 quite often. Um, so that leaves the bullpen with Scott Barlow as the closer. That's been established, right? Over Heraldus Chapman. Yeah. And um, Amir Garrett, I think Dylan Coleman, Taylor Clark, Carlos Hernandez, Ryan Yarborough. We're looking at that as a, as a uh, you know, leaders in the bullpen. Probably leaves one more spot for a one inning guy. And, you know, we learned Love Lady and, and Stallman are not going to be it. So, you know, perhaps Jose Quas um, gets Who, that one. Who's also spot. had a good spring, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that. When you look at the the bullpen as a whole, I, the, the way I wrote it was, I mean, if you, if you are trying to, to squint and figure out a way that the Royals are going to be much better this year, I think your, your leading candidates to say where their bullpen should be better than it was. Um, but part of that is, you know, I think you've got some more defined roles than you did last year. Barlow doesn't have to close every game. You've got a guy like Chapman, if he's thrown well, that he can close games, but... This, this coaching staff seems really intent. Now, every coaching staff this would like to do this, but on defining before a game, a, a pitcher knows when he might go in. And I think guys last year had some frustration of potentially being called into any situation, and therefore you've got to prepare for going in the third inning, the fourth inning, the fifth inning. You always have to be ready to go. There is an element of that life to being a reliever. It's part of it. But it's much better if you say, hey, They've got a group of lefties coming up. This is going to be your area. This part in the lineup is going to be your area. Or we don't envision using you before the sixth inning. Um, I just think there's there's a lot more that goes into preparation for relievers to go to a game than most people realize. And I think it can be, if not physically exhausting, just mentally exhausting. And the, and the Royals had a specific problem last year in that their starters didn't go yeah. very long. Uh, was it the worst on average no, in baseball? They were, no, they were below average. Um, it wasn't – look, the, the the lowest teams, it's a little bit tricky because the Rays and Giants use openers. So they're throwing bullpens for like seven innings a game yeah. some days. 
Um, so the Royals are, are bottom third of the league, and the amount of times their starters went five innings, six innings, seven innings, and they only threw eight innings once all year. It was Brady Singer threw into got a one out in the ninth. But so I, I just was looking that up and saw that the best bullpens in baseball last year, the top five bullpens all won their division last year. Sixth was the Mariners, who won 90 games and made the playoffs as the AL wild card. I don't think it would surprise a ton of people that, you know, if you've got a good bullpen, then you're probably going to be a better team. I, I think the degree to what it meant, the correlation um, set was a little bit surprising. But the other correlation when I looked at it were those bullpens were the least used bullpens in the league last year. And so the Astros had. I think they had a 288 or something like that ERA last year. They were asked to record like 30 fewer innings than any other bullpen in the league. And, you know, you talk to, I talked to a few of the bullpen guys with the Royals about it. And Amir Garrett said he likes being used like every day. He feels like his stuff works better. There's stu- there's guys like that, especially like guys that throw sinkers, but it's the outlier. And the norm, when you look at the correlation and the relationship is that when you are used less often, you're going to be more effective. And therefore, if the, if the Royals bullpen is going to be better, the starters have to be better too. They, they can't go four innings because it, it's not just that day. I think that's the confusion about it is a lot of people think, oh, your bullpen's got to go five innings. Now you've got to have four guys throw well. But it also costs you the next day. Now guys aren't available. Potential could cost you the next day because now you had to use this exact guys on – on Thursday, and now these those guys aren't available on Friday. So now you're in this sort of like never-ending cycle of trying to get your bullpen back on track, waiting on somebody to go seven, eight innings so that you can get that bullpen back on track. And that's that's where the I think the Royal starters are going to play just a really critical part in this. Well, <clears throat> so that's the idea going into the season. I like I like the mindset. Look, the Royals didn't go into last season believing their starters were going to right. you know, flame out early and, right. and, and overwork the bullpen, but uh, but that that's what happened. So I think it's, it bears repeating. Top five teams in terms of bullpen success last year were division winners. Yeah. There were six divisions, right? Yeah. Five of the six. That that's pretty darn significant. And you can you can make the case that the Royals started this trend, you know, 10 years ago yeah, with, yeah. With, with their, um, you know, with their seven, eight, nine guys. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I mean, so they, they had that in the regular season already, but particularly the way they use those guys for multiple innings in the playoffs, I, I do think that changed the way some organi- organizations thought that in order to win in October, you have to have the best starting pitching. I mean, it's still a really key part of it. It's, it's nice to have really good starting pitching, but yeah, more than ever, I think it's like it doesn't matter who throws those throws those innings as long as they're effective when they throw them. It, I remember in fourteen and fifteen, um, the Royals had this unbelievable record when leading after six, right? If yeah. if uh, you know Jeremy Guthrie or Yordano Ventura or James Shields or um, you know Ed, Edison Volquez could get you to the sixth inning, the Royals that was it. And, and with with the yeah. Royals with the game tied or, or Royals leading, that was it. They were going to win the game. Um, and uh, it would be great to start to see them move somewhat in that direction. But for that to happen, you better have good starting pitching, and we'll, we'll see what the Royals have. As, as interested as I am in you know bullpen philosophy with the Royals team, I am ex- especially 
fascinated by how they're going to improve the, the young arms of the 2018 draft. Yeah, right? yeah. And of course, you know, one of them now, uh, Daniel Lynch is on the uh, injured, uh, yeah, on the injured list. on the I.L. Yep. So, but uh, right now we're looking at a rotation. Grinke's, Zach Grinke is going to be the opening day starter. Jordan Lyles, who they acquired in a trade, will be the he'll pitch the second game. Brad Keller, the third game. Brady Singer, the fourth. Brady's kind of a yeah, he's, special he's the circumstance. Ace. Yeah, he's, he's the ace of the staff. Right, um, but, he's but, the, but he's the number four pitcher for the yeah. opening series because... He just threw two innings in the <laughs> 16 days in the World Baseball Classic. But between the time he left and the time he got back on... I was there when he got back on... Um, Thursday would have been that he threw three innings, and those were the first live hitters he had he had faced in like a week and a half. Right. So, um, look, I, I know the Royals are frustrated with with how that went. They obviously knew that was part of a risk, but I think that there's a feeling that there was opportunities to get Brady Singer some innings in some games by that were wide margins. Now, Brady Singer was really good last year. I think just because he had one bad outing doesn't mean you need to throw the guy in there like he's he's a charity case. I think he was able to get record some outs, um, but wasn't used. And so this is the trickle-down effect of it is now he's got to throw another game probably on Tuesday to, to feel like he's ready. And by the way, he's still not going to be caught up to those other guys. By the time he has, he gets his turn on, the, on game four, he's still – you'll – I think it's fair to wonder if he's going to be able to throw more than five innings in that mm-hmm. game. But they might have to have like a piggyback situation where this is why you acquire a guy like Ryan Yarbrough to where it doesn't decimate your bullpen. You have a guy that can throw multiple innings right, out of your bullpen. Yeah. yeah. Um, at least the Royals were fortunate not to go the Altuve or Diaz route. Those guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Adam Wainwright's out for yeah. a couple months, although I think his injury might have come in the workout after he got back. But yeah, I mean, the Mets are losing their closer for the year. Um, and that's part of the risk too. And but I will say, guys get injured in spring training all the time too, particularly pitchers. It does. It does happen. It does happen. But the Royals certainly had. A, I, I don't know how what what teams had the most players in in the World Baseball Classic, but the Royals had a bunch of them. Right, did, 10, yeah. 10, 11. Yeah, Salvi came through okay, played really well. He was the one player from the Royals that was on the all world team. Yeah, you know, playing for Venezuela. That's uh, a that's a good point. I, I probably should have mentioned that in my column on brady singer now that you say that is that they did get to learn some stuff about some other guys i think i mean carlos hernandez looked pretty good in a bullpen role and i think he's going to factor into the royals bullpen a guy that's been a starter for the past couple of years and heck it was just two seasons ago you thought that guy threw better than anybody in the starting staff he had electric stuff yeah and then his fastball i think just doesn't have enough movement on it and to where maybe if he can throw 99 out of the bullpen, that becomes a little bit less of a factor than if he's throwing 95 with, with very little movement. How about the fifth starter? What could they do uh, there? If Lynch was likely going to be the guy, but yeah. they need a fifth starter. Yeah, I mean, Lynch wasn't throwing well in spring, but absolutely agree with you. I think he was going to get one of the five spots. And so this tests the spot, I think, that to me is the weakest part of the Royals roster, which is their starting rotation depth. Mm-hmm. And what do you do if guys are out? And so I think, you know, Chris Bubich has missed a little bit of time in spring training. He's not thrown well, but I think he's probably the most likely candidate. Um, but, you know, I mean, Ryan Yarborough, I think they're still trying to stretch out. He threw two innings on Thursday, I believe it was, Wednesday. It might have been Wednesday or Thursday. Um, but he missed a little bit of time too. So, I, I like I said, I, I think it's – 
the weakest part of the Royals roster is that they're not really well protected if, if starting pitchers get injured. Okay. All right. We're gonna we're gonna talk more Royals later in the week, and we'll we'll talk more lineup uh, at that time. But I do want to ask you as we as we wind down about Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, looks like he is got a chance to be the opening day starting what right fielder uh, for the Royals, and that's partly due to an injury, uh, but. Uh, but interesting that the Royal he's had a good spring. He's taken advantage of the opportunity the Royals have given him. And if they could get a, you know, a, a, a fraction of what he delivered in his best years in Boston, you know, they might have a, they might have a pretty good veteran outfielder. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was a smart addition just because of the injury to Drew Waters. I mean, Drew Waters, I think was going to play center field and you got Kyle Isbell as like plan B and now plan B becomes plan A. And I mean, look, Kyle Isbell doesn't cover a ton of ground, and I think there's a little bit of risk of going into a Kauffman Stadium game with a spacious outfield with an outfield of MJ Melendez, who's not a regular outfielder, but they're going to try him as a regular outfielder. Um, Kyle Isbell in center, and then, I mean, I think you'd like to get Edward Olivares' bat in the lineup. You don't want his glove in the lineup. Um, so if you have to go in with, like, those three playing outfield, I think there's a lot of concern about a, a, a fly ball pitcher having those guys behind him at, at Kauffman Stadium. And to where that is where Jackie Bradley Jr. falls more into place because his, his glove and his, his arm in particular, I mean, the guy throws like 99 miles an hour from the outfield. Um, is, is, it's a much bigger addition than the bat because, I mean, the bat hasn't been there for a couple of years now. He's still like not that old of a guy. I mean, technically should still be in like the, the edge of the prime of his career. But for whatever reason, he's just really sort of lost it at the plate the past couple of years. For sure. All right. Who's, who's going to DH on opening day? I think, um, look, I mean, if I had to pencil in the lineup when I was down there, I thought, like, Fran Mill Reyes might, might be that guy. He had a really good spring. Um, he's an intriguing guy. He's one of the only guys I've ever seen that could stand next to Salvador Perez and make him look small. Um, <laughs> he is a huge dude. He's a very big and like not out of shape huge either. Um, so I, I was I was surprised when the Royals added him in spring training purely because I was like, man, I'm surprised another team has not given him a shot till now because the power is just immense. But he can only hit fastballs. He struggles with off-speed stuff. But I know I talked. I chatted with him for a brief time down there, and I know he spent a lot of time working on off-speed sliders because he anticipates that's all he's really going to see. And he said, if, if somebody hangs one, I have to crush it over the fence. There's no excuse for not. Um, and the other piece of it is trying to lay off the ones that are out of the zone. Now, when I was there, one of the games, he did strike out twice and saw all sliders, both both at bats. But he's had a good spring. Yeah, he has. And look, the Royals had a good spring. I don't they know did, if they yeah. ended up with the best record in the American League or the best record in the Cactus League. I, I don't know if they did, but they, um, they they had a good one. And a couple more spring training, technically spring training games. You're playing the Rangers, I think, in Texas. Yeah, before they come a couple of games. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Sam, thanks for the conversation. We'll talk more Royals later this week. Uh, thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Monty Davis for putting together today's show and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell for sharing his insights. Morning Sports Edition is the best digital sports page going. Take my word for it, or not, but check it out for yourself at liveedition.com.
www.kansascity.com. Today's edition was 37 pages full of baseball, NCAA tournament, football free agency, really good story on the Lamar Jackson drama, and so much more. Again, liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.